0: Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. I'm thrilled to bring you today's conversation. Laura Dern is not only an extraordinary, talented actress, but she's also a beacon in the Hollywood community, setting an example of professionalism, collaboration, And thoughtfulness. From the beginning, the daughter of Diane Ladd and Bruce Dern carved her own unique path, working with auteurs like David Lynch and Alexander Payne, and moving effortlessly between the worlds of independent film and blockbuster franchises like Jurassic Park and most recently, Star Wars. Dern is a two time Oscar nominee, a four time Golden Globe winner, and the recipient of an Emmy Award for her critically acclaimed work as Renata Klein in Big Little Lies. In this episode, we talk about her new film, Marriage Story, from Academy Award-nominated filmmaker Noah Bombeck. It's an incisive and compassionate look at a marriage dissolving. It's filled with heartbreak, as well as a lot of humor. It stars Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. On a personal note, I've now seen Marriage Story several times between the film festivals and various screenings, and I can tell you this is truly an extraordinary film one that feels both deeply personal but also universal. We also discussed Dern's childhood growing up in Los Angeles on film sets, watching the masters like Alfred Hitchcock and Martin Scorsese at work, the arc of her career through the 80s and the 90s, and how she's seen the experience of women working in the industry evolve. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Enjoy. All right, Laura Dern, I am so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you and so excited to be with you in this new world format. I know. Our, Space with you. I feel like I'm. this is just going to be part one of, of many ah, uh, please. conversations with you. Yeah. I would like to have a, a dinner with Laura at least um, once I mean, a month. I mean, please. Solve and a dinner problems. with Krista. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> um, we were just talking about your family a second ago. Your own childhood is one of the most fascinating things to me because it's so unique. One just growing up in the 70s in LA after Manson, after like the music died, this weird creative culture that was surrounding Los Angeles at the t- at mm. the time. Uh and you parlayed it into this insane career. It is <laughs> I mean, I look at that IMDb page and I can kind of chart my own Emotional growth and what was happening in my life by your films. Oh my God, that's beautiful! Kind of amazing. But and obviously, you're for those listening that don't know, your mother's um, Diane Ladd and your dad is Bruce Dern, and both were disciples of the Actor Studio and real actor actors and lived in that community. But tell me a little bit about knowing at such a young age that you were going to be an actor. Do you feel like it was almost preordained? Um
1: I mean I think for anybody who who grows up in and around a family business there is a little bit and we've seen a million movies about it you know is he going to father his, follow his father's mm. trade or is he going to find his own path and so you know when both parents share this craft and it's a thing they're in love with um there's already sort of an intrigue um that can exist, but you know, my my godmother's daughter, Shelley Winter's daughter, became a surgeon. So, yeah. you know, everybody does find their own their own way if they're if they're blessed. But I do think that at a very young age, um, what I fell in love with, and I've told you this story before mm-hmm. and talked about it. Um, but for anybody who hasn't heard it, I'll I'll just repeat in saying that I had this privileged summer of my childhood when I was seven and my, six, almost seven, uh, my mom was working with Marty Scorsese on Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And my dad was doing family plot for Alfred
0: Hitchcock. And I went between the two sets. That's just kind of incredible. Scorsese and Hitchcock. Yeah. Like at the beginning and at the end, right? Because Scorsese, that was one of his first big... And for Hitchcock, I think that was his last film. Yeah, and it was incredible. It was incredible, and it was incredible to see two totally
1: different energies, two masters. I mean, even Marty at that age, already a master. But, you know, Hitchcock was sitting back, and, I mean, truly sitting back, as he sat back in his chair, and they gave me a little mini director's chair to sit next to him, which was amazing. And he sat back, as camera rolled, and said, entertain me, please, instead of action. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, he enjoyed the theater of the unfolding in a way I had, you know, I still have never seen. And Marty, if I may be so lucky to call him that, um, over the years of being in his company and watching him and being such a massive influence on my life, um, not only let me sit and participate. Um, but, you know, I shared with him, because I got to, thanks to Ted Sarandos, I got to and Netflix sit together as we were all on Telluride together. And I was seated with him, and he was like, yeah, you know, you talk about how that was the moment where you decided you wanted to be an actress. Like, what was it? And we joked about how he would let me be an extra, and... He had to do this kind of famous take where they had had this fight, Alan Burstyn and Chris Christofferson, and they come back together, and I'm sitting at the table eating an ice cream cone, and they did it like 17 times. So I had to eat 17 ice creams. Mm-hmm. And he said in front of me to my mother, Hey, you know, this kid ate 17 ice creams, never complained, never threw up, she's gonna be an actress. So he's like, Was that the thing that I, you know, acknowledged mm-hmm. your excitement about it? And I shared with him, it wasn't that, it was that he, they were in a tiny corner of this, like, Mm. beat up, back, kind of closet-like toilet uh, of this diner they were shooting at in Tucson. And he had my mom and Ellen Burstyn in this bathroom. And it's one of my favorite scenes between two actresses ever. And he cracked open the door just to feel the intimacy of it and shot, you know, from outside into the, into the bathroom. And he called me over and let me sit literally like tucked in near his knees so I could kind of see mm-hmm. into it a little bit. And I watched this filmmaker make actors, his collaborators, with improvising, with asking questions about the damage they'd come from or what their heartbreaks were and like, talk about that. And my mom had found a necklace she loved. And she was like, hey, I think this would be so, you know, such a part of my character of flow. This would make so much sense. And he's like, tell her, tell her the story, tell her what it's about. And it was made of um, safety pins. It was a cross Mm. made out of safety pins and she started improvising about how, like, it keeps her together. And, and Marty just kept pulling and pulling and pulling from them and having them continuing to share and, 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 and utilizing their history and history from being at the actor's studio and all of it. And it was like literally someone had invented ice cream in front of me <laughs> and said, you too can learn how to make this invention. And I was like, how would you not sign up for the greatest job anyone could ever do? Whatever that is, I want that. But then that means i got to find directors Mm -hmm. like him, work with colleagues on their level, Mm -hmm. and, and a crew who knows how to be invisible and also get the shot in the most organic and raw way. And it is insane. What is insane isn't that I became an actor. That's, like, easy. What's insane is that that person... Gets hired, auditioned for everything. Auditioned mm-hmm. for a TV show it. Auditioned for certain brat pack movies. Mm-hmm. But I got cast in the Peter Bogdanovich movie *Smooth Talk*, and David Lynch cast me. So literally, the thing I was pining for was given to me. Um, and you know, yes there were a few choices made and I did start to learn what I wanted to do and made sacrifices mm-hmm. to work with those kinds of directors. But that was the amazing thing was like I landed with the
0: tribe that I, you know, dreamt dreamt of. <clears throat> I sat with Demi Moore not too long ago. She has her book out, Inside Out. And what's so interesting as a someone Miles away, states away from Hollywood, I loved the Brat Pack movies, right? Those were great, and you, I loved seeing them, and we'd talk about them, we'd watch them again and again, and it's almost as if, I was thinking about this knowing I was going to see you, it's as if you're on the other side of that record mm-hmm. making these other movies that are on this parallel track showing two sides of, you know, being young and love, a teenager, like I think of Smooth Talk. I think of um, Wild at Heart. I think of Blue Velvet. I can't tell you how many times we would watch Blue Velvet. And you and Nicolas Cage and Wild at Heart, it felt like, oh, my God. At the same time, St. Elmo's Fire, you know, all those other movies. Yeah. It's just so unique. And it all makes sense now, of course, when, when I look back on it. Like, of course, that was you. Of course, those were your parts you know did they find you did you find them? yeah but...
1: and 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 in one case i i i was given an opportunity much like the other path um and it was the female lead in one of those movies and at the same time i was offered peter bogdanovich's movie and um and i remember you know I was, a 15-year-old, and one was offering money and one wasn't, and one seemed like the really great career move, you know, to an agent. But I made the choice based on the filmmaker, knowing that, like, that was someone my parents, it was one of my parents' tribesmen, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, and literally, because they all came from the world of Roger Corman. So... That was just, and it was a great role and a scary challenge, and all those beautiful things you you dream of. So, you know, there was I think that was the one big turning point question, like mm-hmm. which path am I going to take? But I also remembered we've been doing these wonderful cover stories and things for um, the films that are coming out right now, and there are a few like actress. Uh, covers or mm-hmm. stories. And um, I was remembering one that came out about a group of us actresses, literally then, I don't know, I was 16 or something. And it was kind of that thing where it was like three actresses they're talking about, mm-hmm. Molly Ringwald, myself doing the movies you just described, and Helena Bonham Carter, who'd done Room with a View. Oh, and I thought, wow, those are three totally different, you know, fascinating worlds of film in terms of the worlds we were getting to to play in. Um, and Helen is such a great actress, and Molly was an icon. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were all happening at the same time and just completely different. So so fun and, and uh, interesting. But, but I, I did feel like I found mine, for sure. Right.
0: for sure. And Ramblin' Rose, I remember when I watched that, I was just telling um, everybody here earlier in our little studio here about how that, I just, I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen a character like that and in the 30s, and just the sexuality, and so immediately a one-second innocent and the next second, you know, provocateur. And now they could not even make that. That movie would never get made now. Never. And was, am I wrong, or wasn't that directed by... A Martha woman, Coolidge, Martha yeah. Coolidge, yeah, which is incredible because that was like 1991, and and by the way, you got an Oscar nomination, and your mother got one, so it was a very well received
1: film. Very well received, very controversial. Then what it said about women was mm-hmm. pretty radical and fascinating. Um, you know, it's it's inter- it's beyond sexually inappropriate. Ultimately, in this day, it. Based on ages, it would be considered assault. But yeah. at the same time, she's obviously um, her own survivor of assault and very confused about mm-hmm. sexuality and being labeled as this, you know, nymphomaniac, mm-hmm. um, sexual demon almost. And she's a child. But it it is based on a novel, based on the writer Calder mm-hmm. Willingham's own childhood, and so he was guiding us from his experience, which, you know, you're serving the truth, whether we like it or not. And having Martha as a guide through it was amazing. I mean, just like watching Lena Wertmüller's clips last night, you know, the sort of radical exploration of things from a female point of view even if you might not make those same movies now mm-hmm. in the same way is is really it was so important then though it was oh so my important God then. and
0: I don't even remember I just remember her and uh obviously your mom and that kind of like forward thinking in the South and everything it's yeah. Just so yeah, so great, yeah, and
1: her my mom is so beautiful yeah, in that movie she's so all great. the actors. I talked to Greta Gerwig actually about that um. Movie because Martha came to a screening of Marriage Story, which was so lovely. And Martha's such a badass. You know, and she'd made Valley Girl, she'd made Docs, and here she makes this really beautiful film. And she had just had a son, and Greta has just had a son, and so we were talking about, you know, parenting Mm -hmm. and work as women. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remembered not clocking that my director was female as though it was a thing. I just, mm-hmm. that was my director. Like anybody else was a director because I was young enough to not see how glaring the um, lack of gender parity <laughs> was. I, I didn't notice, I, I I wasn't noticing that there were literally no women on the crew of movies. Mm-hmm. I thought that's sort of the way it was. Didn't know we had that opportunity or privilege Good God. But as I was talking to my director, Martha, she was sitting on the side where our trucks were, just at the side of the set, with a blanket over her. And under that blanket, she was nursing her baby boy. And we were talking through the scene. And someone on the crew, a producerial figure, came over and said, hey, um you need to never nurse again because your crew is going to see that as a sign of weakness. Wow. And that is when wow. for me the aha moment happened like whoa. You know, we're not in Kansas anymore. This is this is not as easy a ride as you think it's going to be where everybody just gets honored for their art and mm-hmm it's all fluid and everybody loves everybody. What an
0: interesting, how tragic, not, Oh, it's an, you're going to upset some people. They're going to be uncomfortable looking at that. It's that it was weakness. You
1: won't be seen as a leader by feeding your, the human being you gave birth (laughs) to, um, which seems so powerful to me. And, you know, and now thank God, um, I work with, other filmmakers who are parenting at the same time and nursing at the same Mm -hmm. time and doing a million other things. And that's not the issue. There are other issues, but Mm -hmm. that's not the issue. And, um, I mean, there's still a long way to go, but that was pretty amazing. Scary. Yeah.
0: But I feel like the, you found such a great tribe and I want to, let's just talk about the recent year and a half with obviously with big little lies, what you did with Renata Okay, this character I've never loved. I never loved her more or you more than when she's screaming. I will not, not be rich. It was like, why am I suddenly team Renata, like obsessed? Oh, it was so, so funny happy. about how you're able to. And there's you know, not there's not that long of list of actors that are able to make someone so kind of on the surface reprehensible, empathetic or get us to their side, or at least we understand them. And it was so deeply satisfying about that, which obviously the show is hugely popular. And But but watching her, you know, smash that and say that, you like finally, yeah. I finally understood her. I was like, oh, I understand her. I get it. It's just what what a fun ride, obviously, for you. So
1: fun. And such a, you know, again, back to that origin story of, Collaborating with filmmakers. I've been lucky enough to be with filmmakers who love the characters they're giving me and are protective of them. And that's such a gift, you know, to hear from the person witnessing um, why they have empathy for the person. Um, and Jean Marc Valet and then Andrea Arnold both loved Renata. Mm-hmm really loved her and um and with David Kelly um you know on the first one we were definitely shaping like it it it's an easy part to make um i don't know just whatever the bitch on wheels sure, it be 2 yeah it's like
0: a caricature um, of that yeah. person that we think we know in the range rover but yeah we don't. exactly
1: right. but i think what's so delicious about her and maybe people caught up with or I got more opportunity to expose in the second season, that she's so vulnerable in how much she cares what everyone else thinks. And just to wear that all the time, as a woman in a position of power, is such a weird dichotomy. And so it gives so much room to to play and, and be unleashed and, you know... Totally inappropriate, and all those you know delicious things that she gives room for.
0: It was great. It was the best girl posse ever. All of yeah. Like oh. Everyone, I wanted to always be at that party. Oh my How god! I be at that at that dinner, at that party, at that hike, at that run, or oh. you know, you just wanted to be with everybody. All right. Well, let's talk about Marriage Story. This film is phenomenal. I think it's Noah's masterpiece. And I said this to him earlier. I feel like every film, when I was interviewing him, every film that he has done up to this point has led to this film. Beautiful. Agreed. And your, Nora, your character is, I mean, I almost screamed when I saw you come on, on the screen as the, and obviously I think you were playing Laura Wasser or a version of Laura Wasser, right? Who's now kind of made divorce famous and she has her own app to make it easy and all that stuff. But tell me about, Working with Noah because he had said that he basically had talked to Adam and talked to Scarlett and talked to you before he was even finished writing the script.
1: Yeah, you know I'm lucky to consider Noah truly a deep friend, and um, we had met several years before and started having dinners and spending time with each other, and the the dinners uh, became a big part of his journey. Um, toward this story. I think with Adam and I first, uh, being that we were friends, and obviously they're great collaborators, over meals, over conversations, he shared that he really wanted to tell a love story, but he wasn't sure about the way in or or how he would investigate it. And then I know he and Scarlett had lunch, and then they mm-hmm. started the conversation um, And one night, he and I had dinner here in Los Angeles, and he said, I think I want to make a love story about divorce. And the fact that those were the words he used, and a year plus later, that was the script I got, which is the most flawless gift Mm -hmm. I have read. Truly, it's Mm -hmm. one of the master screenplays of all time because everything is in there. I'm excited if they... Um, you know, send the screenplay out for people to read how giddy people will be.
0: Well, it's just so economic, and it's, it, it's like it's its own. There's no fat. It just flows, and it, it's beautifully paced, oh. I think, which is so great. And when the characters come in and out the various part of their lives and time from L.A. and New York, and obviously you are so very L.A. in this, mm-hmm. right? So, Nora, I mean, did they sew the dress on you? I was like, the heels. Oh, my God. And you're in that dress, and when you pop off the heels and just like, it's oh such my a God. Great and, and you know, it's interesting, speaking of
1: family Such lawyers, role. Oh, I, I mean, I love this role so much, but um, I met a few of them, um, including Laura, who was very generous with, you know, her time with Noah as well. And, and, you know, watching how uh, lawyers, female lawyers use fashion is really interesting what they want to say with The specific designers, or the attire, the color, um, their bodies, their physicality—it's really interesting because it too, like many others, it's a very male-dominated world, and there are—you know—it is a business of bullying um, to win, and um, the tactics that are used are fascinating. And Noah wrote it precisely. But the fun that he offered me was finding the way to be a strategist, to be a manipulator, while also seemingly leading the person to believe they're your new best friend and your therapist and really want to help you with your narrative, even though you don't realize in the moment they're giving you the narrative they think is going to help you win your case. Mm-hmm. it's like she's like she starts talking when well, my family lives blah, blah, blah. it's like so you want to live in LA yeah it's like no, wait she didn't say that yet <laughs> yeah what's happening there's no time you know they start mm-hmm. feeding you your story and um, and it's a brilliant character in this film in that you have two protagonists on a journey that is about discord and separation um, but they're desperate to hold in place this love of their son and this co-parenting opportunity. And they've sort of not really talked about exactly what it's going to look like, but they've made it clear, Mm -hmm. like there's not going to be a battle. Right. Enter divorce lawyer. And the potential of how you could have lived your life as co-parents will never be the same. You will never get back to that origin story, ever. And that includes cheating, lying, money, all of it. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a tough racket. That's a tough racket to make human. Mm-hmm. And Alan Alda's character speaks beautifully to yeah. that. So that's just such a fun character. And then to have that character be this, you know, the divide, the antagonist that comes in that you're ready to not trust or not like... But then to give her a speech... And go, oh my God, she's right.
0: Oh, the Virgin Mary speech? Okay, so this is what I want to know. Cause I'm dying to ask you this because obviously with, with his long and Noah's long conversations with Adam and his long conversations with Scarlett, everyone's life, personal life, parts of it are permeated, and obviously Noah's own personal life. And he said, Everything is true and nothing is true. Which is, I think, what makes this movie resonate so much is that it is so deeply personal, but yet it's so hugely universal Mm -hmm. you know there's Mm -hmm. there's like little it's like everyone's specifics are somewhere in this but the the virgin mary speech how when is there a certain freedom when you're saying when you're being directed by him and you know that he wrote the script in and delivering something like that with those words or is there freedom in knowing that this is it or is there also freedom in knowing you can say to him, can we change this line? Or this is what I'm feeling. Both things. Um,
1: I, I hear actors say that the lines are the lines. Um, But I only knew Noah as my friend. I didn't know what the rule book was, if there was a rule book and there never would be to Noah, but others might say his, his, scripts are so beautifully crafted you want to be deeply reverent to them because they work and there is as you said a rhythm and a mm-hmm. musicality mm-hmm. and it and it is kind of a musical you know it 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 has that rhythm and then literally two songs kind of mm-hmm. tell each person's side of their story in this really intimate and amazing way Um, And it's on, so it is a musical. Um, So that's already kind of fantastic. But in the case of that monologue and my work with Noah, he, he let me have an opinion. Uh, If I would just been hired and showed up, maybe I wouldn't have been, you know, so direct, but we'd had this kind of organic talking through and he made me feel like he really wanted me to be happy with the character. And I think he was so excited about it. So, um and I wouldn't even share this except now in interviews he tells everybody um that I did read it and say, "Can I also say?" and I added a line to it, which he let me include in the uh in the monologue. So he and he it's beautiful because I think he takes pride in us in me participating in that part of it. Um because also he felt like it was the thing that took it a step further, and um, it almost feels like, you know, that your dad is proud of you, <laughs> even though mm-hmm. we're of the same generation. But I um, I love the feeling of him getting giddy over, you know, an idea that I know he would like and feel like was so that character. So that part was gorgeous. Um, and then, of course, there is the incredible emotional freedom. And as Scarlett talks about a lot, you, you get to do a number of takes. In fact, as many as you want. And it's never about keep going until I see it. It's, you know, he, he said, we did a few takes. He's like, I know we're there. I mean, I've got that, but like, show me whatever else you got. Where else do you want to go? Mm-hmm. What if she's, uh, Disgusted here. What if she's like, tell it like it is. What if she's angry? What if she's, you know, and so we really played. We really, really played and had so much fun. Oh, my God. It's just the greatest Christmas gift ever. Yeah, that, I mean, monologue. that, that
0: monologue is Fantastic, and not just
1: for me as an actress. I say for women, no, for, for people. Women, but I he does it again. It.
0: Once you're like, how can you possibly Nora this woman, and then suddenly you're like, yes, I know. You're like raising your fist in in the air, watching her deliver that speech, which is completely accurate too. It's like you're like, oh, I get that. Yeah, uh, Scarlett has that in your first meeting. You made reference to it, where I think it's like seven pages of dialogue. Yeah, how is that to be? the actor not talking and she, the way Noah shot that to be there for her, cause she's telling you, right? You're Nora. She's telling you her story when you ask, you know, what is that like as an actor to sit in that and respond when she's doing that and doing those multiple takes?
1: Amazing. First of all, amazing to watch her discipline and professionalism and, and voraciousness, you know, to come in and just eat it. You know, it was like she ate every word in the most delicious, free way. Um, and we had, for days, I offered to work with her on the lines as she was running her lines so that it was me she was starting to speak to, um, which I think was great, and build mm-hmm. trust, which was nice between us. Um, but the most amazing thing about the idea of listening for seven pages... Separate from the actor being there to support another actor, is that Nora isn't listening. She's building a case. So she's like stealthily watching and wanting mm-hmm. you to know that she's she's an empath and she's so warm and she's gonna be the person who listens to you like because nobody else has really ever listen to you. Your mother doesn't care about your story. Your husband didn't mm-hmm. care about your story. It's about damn time somebody listened. While well, all I'm really doing is going, okay, I can use New York. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He meant like that. Oh, really? A grand? He wants a MacArthur grand? How much is that worth? Like yeah. I'm just in yeah. it. So it was such an active job mm-hmm. of someone playing one thing while doing mm-hmm. another. Um that it's one of the more one of the busier scenes for me, probably the
0: busiest scene in the movie. That's a great
1: scene. Um, so funny that way. But
0: I had interviewed Shailene Woodley not that long ago for back for Vanity Fair, yeah, and she talked about you as being such a role model for her, and that you had always told her that it ebbs and it flows, like you can't get caught up mm. in it. Because it goes away and then it comes back, yeah. and in terms of like I was thinking about Jurassic Park, how huge that was, giant movies, and you know, junkets and premieres and dinosaurs and being part of that franchise, and then you you know going into independent films and all of that, it feels like. And I see you, and I see you with Scarlett, and I see you with other actresses, and I and I hear how younger uh, younger generations of of actors talk about you and it is pretty special because no. they really feel like aside from being a mentor but you're like the gold standard and what it means to have be a working actor and have mm-hmm. one with integrity and have that long career so in that, I love that you're comfortable, obviously, in a mentoring type of role because I don't think you'd argue with me, right? That's just my outside impression, but it feels yeah, like yeah, you
1: know who knows, but you hope you mean you yeah. hope you're helpful and supportive mm-hmm. and and I think the only way to be a mentor is to is to be a girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, and I mean, you're also talking about very wise, very evolved people, so. Shay is like talking to a 48 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, she's young in her own ways, but she's also incredibly wise. Mm-hmm. So we became like sisters. And mm-hmm. I was playing her mother, but I mean, she moved into my house yeah, for a while. Yeah. We really were like best girlfriends. And, um, and I think being on the same level with people were what women who were slightly older than me did for me. You know, Mm -hmm. Isabella Rossellini was such a mentor um, because there we were working together and we were girlfriends, but she was just older Mm -hmm. enough that she was already dealing with marriage, divorce, Mm -hmm. babies, love stories, being less attached to everything,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? When you're so young, you feel like you're being defined Mm -hmm. by every single choice. So it's you know, more than having answers, I just have experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can share mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's gorgeous if it's if it's helpful and, and feels fun to share from that mm-hmm. perspective.
0: And I love in the last 18 months you've been photographed more, you're on more magazine covers. Anytime <laughs> I go through an airport, I see I was <gasps> like, this is awesome. It's so awesome. It's so
1: fun. I mean it's, you know it's amazing to be at a time where First of all, I'm on the cover of a magazine for a Noah Baumbach movie and a Greta Gerwig movie. Yeah, let's just take that <laughs> like in for a minute. We haven't right? even talked about little, women. you know, like these are our revolutionaries, and their beloved films in a in a traditional sense. So that's great, you know. And David Lynch gets an Academy mm. Award. I think the revolution is here in a way that maybe a lot of us haven't felt in a long time. Like we were you know, going down dark alleys to see independent cinema because, like, what the world gave us was different. And now that is the world, um, mm-hmm. if you if you seek it out. And that's delicious. And, you know, for my daughter, who you know, mm-hmm. Jaya, um, you know, it really excites me that Isabella has been asked to do a campaign with Lancome again. It's really exciting to me that... Designers and beauty companies want to um, have my face, my body, my name in the world of their design or franchise Mm -hmm. or whatever it is because beauty is starting to crack open its story because women pay really big money women who are way more on social media than men, women who are your followers, women who are your audience, your target audience, who make you, you, corporate America, money, they want to buy truth. They want to see characters that represent mm-hmm. who they are. They want to buy an anti-wrinkle cream by someone who's not 19-year-old girl who's mm-hmm. been airbrushed. They want to see faces that look like them. They want to experience true, true representation. And uh, I like that that it's money that's really changed it Mm -hmm. in that... Like you have to be transparent and, about it, you supply know. Supply
0: and demand. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, and you have you have one of the greatest faces, and you've had it for every decade too. Aww. It's like how you how you carry on is you know. I was looking at some of that early stuff just from David Lynch when I knew I was going to sit down with yeah. you. I was like, oh my god! And then I look now, yeah. and it's just it's the same person just with more life and more experience. Well,
1: that's very beautiful to hear and for Jaya and the next generation, it's. I think it's quite nice to reflect being who you are at the age you are. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of hiding from that that we've been given culturally and we think we have to, you know, I mean, women in politics, women in publishing, actresses, mm-hmm. it, it's not only about being an actress in front of the camera, newscasters. I mean, women are being fed a story which is like, you're you're not gonna still have your job if you don't keep chasing, looking younger. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, one of the things I've loved about um, the the Times Up movement, which is obviously we've seen happen over the the past uh, two years, is just getting women in the same room chatting uh, about this stuff, ex- sharing these it's experiences. Amazing. It's been one of the greatest byproducts. Agreed. Of of this community in particular, whereas before it was all forbidden and now it's all out there. And it's like you said, we can see Joan Didion in a Celine ad and it's like a mic drop, you know, everyone's sharing it on social media and you're like, that's like, we're all, we're all in it. We're all still here. Young, old, middle, all of it. And we're all talking and that's just, the most fun. and
1: I felt a kind of electric buzz uh-huh. as we were together last night. And I could feel you in the corner of mm-hmm. my eye and see you and Greta Gerwig like... And me and Scarlett Johansson and Jane Campion. And it just felt like these pockets of women just talking about everything. As we do. Yeah. And it's a glorious yeah. thing. It's so transparent and honest. When we're put in a room together... Yeah to really talk about all of it. Mm -hmm. Art, relationship, film, you know, we're, Mm -hmm. life, we're very lucky.
0: That's so good. Well, I can't, I have not seen Little Women yet, but I I cannot wait to see you uh, in that as well. And all those girls, I just imagine them at your feet anyway. Oh, my God. And And they are literally at my feet. (laughs) Right, I know. Literally. (laughs) Iconically, (laughs) they are actually
1: (laughs) at my feet. But um, but, uh, in one scene anyway. Yeah. (laughs) but oh I love those I love those girls and Greta and I kind of found each other through recognizing our similarities on film and Greta's been very generous about um her you know being a fan and 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 feeling influenced by some of the films I was in and when we first met it was really about, oh, my God, I recognize myself when I see you on camera. No one talks with their hands more. No one's ganglier than us. <laughs> no one's got similar face structure yeah. except Sir Sharonin. Yeah. And when you see the movie, there are a couple moments that I, take my breath away where I feel like I am looking at my younger self. I mean, side by side, we look, we look, talk, get angry, like each other. And it's so beautiful for the film. So oh, you feel, hopefully, emotionally the relationship between the mother and all these girls. But that dynamic, mm-hmm. as Louise May Alcott had with her real mother, yeah. like no other, um, has that soulmate aspect of uh, you know seeing yourself in mm-hmm. your in your mother and your daughter. That's really powerful and cool. And so I feel like Greta and Sersha and I are definitely. Somehow triplets.
0: <laughs> Somehow. I can see that. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god! the blue eyes and the way you're the structure yeah. of your face. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, it's great to chat with you. I always wish we oh, had more time. I feel I know. we've gotten like just three chapters in the book.
1: <laughs> oh my god! But we're going to keep doing <laughs> yeah. more and more. Please, I can't uh, wait.
0: But congratulations! Thank on you. All these movies.
1: Thank you, and thank you for your championing and supportive of Noah and his movie, because honestly, it it is a rare privilege to get to see a perfect movie. And that is what I felt the first time I saw it, I was at Netflix, I watched Mm -hmm. this movie, I wept like a baby and I just had chills like, oh my God, I haven't seen a Hal Ashby film in 30 years. Like I'm seeing a perfect movie. I'm seeing the movie that made me want to become an actor. And, oh, shit, I'm also, I get to be in this thing? Like, I literally watched it and sort of forgot to clock. What did he use? How does that come off? It's just, it's so grand. And the performances are so perfect that it's just delicious. Mm -hmm. I want every single person in that movie to be in every movie. I want to see Martha Kelly in Mm -hmm. every movie who I didn't know And merit, and Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, please, every, every, all of them. How
0: great was it to see Julie Haggerty, too? That was so fun.
1: The greatest thing that ever happened. Yeah. Just, we, I mean, we knew that when she was so worried about the nest egg um, long ago. I mean, it became my obsession in Lost in America, but my God, is she hysterical and perfect. And, you know, and I can't wait to see it again just to watch so many of those scenes and hear those favorite lines. It is.
0: It's an incredibly watchable film, and I have never been divorced, so so I wasn't bringing any uh, personal experience Mm -hmm. into it. And I laughing, crying, did the whole thing, and I've seen it uh, several times because the film film festival circuit, and obviously wanting to be um, prepped and fresh for talking to to you guys in it. But uh, it's spectacular.
1: And Adam and Scarlett, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're so amazing. Amazing. They're great. So, I, I mean, I, I texted Noah at 1.30 this morning when we were leaving, and I was like, I love press. I love to do <laughs> press. It's my favorite thing, because I'm just getting to talk about you and the movie I love. And, and, and I just left a photo shoot with Scarlett, and she was like, I'm having so much fun. This is weird, Yeah, because I love our family. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. It's a great family. And so beautiful. And always feel like that when I get to talk to you. So so. here's to so much more. All right, thanks. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for joining me. Marriage Story is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.